This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Good afternoon, family and friends. And yes, it's another week with us on Rise. My program's on 7 to 9 a.m. I'm Renette Myberg. And we really come to a point where we often talk about things that aren't relevant and sometimes difficult conversations. And, uh, you know, but we give it out in hope and wisdom and guidance when real life happens in within the family and um, I had Marlene on last week and I really was so encouraged by her testimony when she had this tumor on the head and how she survived the cancer and um, you know it was such an encouragement but there was so much more to her because she's actually not just a survivor a cancer survivor but she's had a very interesting uh, uh journey through life and um, she's going to share two little books that she's read uh, written and I really found them very encouraging and very uh, touching because I know this is very relatable to many of us that have walked this journey of life and um, she wrote the two books um, and it's so easy to read they're light and they are just enough you know just enough to really be bound by this incredible journey of uh, victory from you know from really coming from dark places and difficult situations. So we are going to con- uh, continue with Marlene. Thank you, Marlene, for joining us this afternoon. It's such a, such a privilege again and taking your time out of your busy schedule. Thank you so much. It's, I'm very happy to be back here with you. It's an honor. And she's going to share her story uh, that she's uh, a, a book that she's written is In the Midst of My Enemies, God Prepares a Feast. And I think we've all worked different journeys, but I think this is going to encourage you. And she's written a little book called I Belong. And uh, Marlene is going to share, um, going to actually split up the, the, the sessions just that she covers both the books in really in, in the right format. Uh, because I really think it's very important because they're two different, completely different specters, spectrums of her life, but also very relatable. And that's what I love the way you've written it. It's like real, real, uh, real talk. Yeah. And uh, we don't get books written like that, you know, where it's, it's real talk. It's not just a high polluted um, uh, English and theologies and all that, but scripture and God is in it. And I could, I really love the journey that the Lord took with you. So we're going to listen to a track now and, uh, and enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. And we will be with you straight after this. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. And if you've just tuned in with us this afternoon, I have Marlene Matia in the studio with us this afternoon. She was with us last week. But I really felt it necessary because she's got such a relatable testimony. I think we've all been through, many of us have been through these different paths. And um, But she's written two books, little books that are so touching and so relevant, I think, for today's world. And, uh, you know, they're easy to read, and it was really in real talk language, and yet God was in it. And, you know, the restoration, you could just hear who actually the Lord was on your journey, Marlene. And I'm just so grateful because, you know, on my program, we we need to be encouraged. We need to know that the Lord leads us into victory, and we can overcome every aspect and every 
uh, dark thing in our lives that uh, he is in it with us. But I need to just encourage you, um, if you want to know more about our pro- my program or our or the station, you're welcome to WhatsApp us on 081-729-1657. Our telegram number is 081-729-1657 as well. And our SMS line is 37988. Normal rates apply. And uh, we have our Facebook, which is lovely. Go and meet our uh, amazing presenters on there. You're welcome to see who they are and some of their guests and very active. And we want to know, get to know you better as well. So please uh, compliment our presenters. Uh, we need to hear some feedback as well. So please come, let us get to know you Let's us hear from you. And we also have a counseling department is 021-917-0000 and option one. And you're welcome to phone us and we are there to help you and pray for you. So please just uh, contact us and keep in contact with us. But we are going to jump into the first topic, uh, Marlene. Um, you've written a book in the midst of my enemies. God prepares a feast. What led you to reading to writing that book? Um, th- first of all, I just want to say thank you again for the opportunity to be here. It's such an honor. And that book is very close to my heart because it's not just um, Psalm 23, in the midst of my enemy, God prepares a feast. It actually happened to me. Literally. Mm-hmm. And if I have to explain that to you, it was um, in a time that I just lost uh, my job. And I also was under a debt review company. And I thought to myself that they were doing the right thing. But on the end of the day, it wasn't. And the, the actual company left with everybody's money. And I came home from the um, debt, co- debt review company and they said well there's nothing we can do your house is going to be auctioned and because my daughter went overseas I always thought that this would be a little plecky for her if she ever comes back there will mm. be a home for her and um, what actually happened how I got to that name was I they came on the morning at 10.30 the auctioneers were there And they said, um, Standard Bank is not here yet. We're going to phone you at 11 o'clock. We're all going to come in. I said, okay. But God also, you know, our experience, God always, although the enemy comes in and he comes in with something negative, God always comes in with something positive. Mm-hmm. At 2211, another uh, environmental company phoned me and said to me, do you, do you remember me, the CEO? I said, yes. He said, well, we want to interview with you. Oh. And that is how God always built me up. Although something, I'm going through a storm, mm. God comes in and he gives me that extra hope to hold on to him. And so at 11 o'clock, um, I had auctioneers in my backyard, literally, and I could hear them, 1,000, 2,000, you know. And my friend was sitting there as well. But the night before, Tani Aniki came, a beautiful lady. She's like my spiritual mom. Everybody knows Auntie Aniki. (laughs) She's so precious. I did a year with her um, working actually at a children's home, Mm. and that's how I got to know her. And while we sat there, I opened up this food parcel that um, she brought, and there was everything in that I loved. And I mean like fruit, blueberries, ham, croissants, 
yogurt, you, what you think of. And my friend that was, came, she's the only one that actually came that day. And she said, come on, let's, we're going to put a spread out and we're going to put some songs on. We're going to praise the Lord. Mm. And then I sat there and I said to her, you know, we are inside here and we have a table, or a feast, but outside is the enemy trying mm. to steal from me, you know. And that is how we actually got to the name of the book. Mm-hmm. Although we, we, we went the night before, I actually said to a friend, Sunette, I said, all I want to do, it was like I want my mother tongue. I was actually brought up Afrikaans. Mm. So I wanted to read Psalm 23. And I hang on to that Psalm the whole time. And then when I came to that verse in the midst of my enemies, I realized that this is what the enemy came. But our God that we serve, he prepares a feast among, Mm. around that enemy that is around it. And as long as we stay focused on him, Mm. the enemy can come in. He will never harm us because it's not going to happen. You know, Mm. he tries and takes our focus off, but... He's just a mouse with a mic. <laughs> I say that all the time. Praise <laughs> the Lord for that one. <laughs> so, yeah, that is actually the true, the verse that, you know, that we use, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. reality was happening. And yes. That's how we got to that. And then, obviously, that was the beginning of the book, but what was the journey on it, you know, during the book that you really, other, other things that happened to you and, you know, what was that... I also, in my book, I share also I got divorced just previously before that, and it was a difficult road. My daughter all just left, um, you know, going back uh, to England, and it was kind of like an empty nest situation for me as well. Now I'm a mom all on my own. Um, I've got uh, to sort out everything by myself. I've got to find another job. And also then suddenly um, I now have to move. But once after the the, the auction, uh, people was finished with the auction, the most precious thing happened, Renette. The the guy that actually bought my place, this is how great God is. And <laughs> I'm sitting here, I'm gonna, and I want to feel like I just want to cry, cry to I'll, tell people. I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he came in and he said to me, Mrs. Rowland at that time, yes, yes, yes. you know, he said, I heard your story. I heard that you're trying to find a job. It's been a long time. He said, have you found anything? I said, no, I'm looking, but I have a restraint on my name and all of that because if you're in certain companies, you sign a year, you know, you have to sit up. And he looked up to me and he said to me, can I give you three months rent free? Who does that? Can you believe that? That is just our God, you know? Then... The more things happen, the goodness of God just came through because suddenly now, you know, I have this emptiness. My daughter's gone back, gone to England. Her court case is now finished and a lot of things are going through. But it was like God was making a whole time the strong statement of I am here. Trust me. I'm in it with you. I'm in it. Just trust me. So then I had to move. You know, I didn't even have a cent on my name, but I went to Sunette's place and her daughter was there. And I always kind of help her out with her kids. And I think I needed 500 rand for the move. And I said, Sunette, you know, I don't even know where I'm going to get money. I'm not working right now. I'm doing a bit of work on the side type thing. And her daughter stood up and she said, Auntie Marlene, you're always there for us. Mom, can you, can I give her the money? 
you know, mm. and it really touched my heart because, you know, we don't, sometimes work with people or, or you we with people and we don't realize, you know, how, how they see you, how they see us mm. as a people. And I said, no, 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 you must keep your money. No, no, no. Mom, I want to do this. So the long and the short of the story of me moving from Brackenfell to Durbanville at that stage was another friend of mine organized this move. But this guy, Michael, that moved me, because now my friend, my other friend said, okay, we can move you for 500 rand with Michael. And I was like, no waste. Nobody moves you for 500 rand in this day and age. Mm. Anyway, he moved me. But um, as he put the last bit of furniture, I think it was my bed, I said to him, um, Michael, you've moved in and thank you so much and really appreciate it. I said, how much do I owe you? And he said, 500 rand, ma'am. I said, are you sure? He says, ma'am, that is my word, 500 rand. Mm. And I just said, thank you, Lord. And I said, thank you, Michael. You know, it was such a time of God just coming to show just me. Just meeting you, just getting the thing done. But, you know, the dignity was still there. You still paid somebody yeah. for it, you know. That is, the, that is the beauty of what he does is that he he gave he positioned people in your life that yeah. could just do it for you. Those were the, the hidden angels. Yeah. So I moved from there. I started working for this other company. But I experienced, you know, once again, God was just placed me back into a company easily, an environmental company that I know. I went into client relationship work with them. And... Um, I had the opportunity to to be back into what I'm used to. Yes, it wasn't major strife on that side either. Yeah. And that is the beauty of it. And then, you know, obviously you had, uh, you know, other things happening to you also that uh, really encouraged me, you know, uh, as well, is that you ended up going into, you know, I, I didn't read all, the whole book, right, unfortunately, I only got to this, the first one. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, you you had other experiences of who God was in, in, in that time, you know, with your relationships with your family and your friends. What, how, how was your, your well-being in that time? Um, for me, I, I think, like I said to you before, the, the minute I experience things that is hard, I've learned to run into my father's arm. You know, mm. although I was going through a very hard time, just being divorced, lost my house, now in a new place, um, I also had to take care of my parents during that time. So, I, and it was so perfect that God gave me a place with two bedrooms. Everybody was saying, why do you need two bedrooms? And I just had this urgency of needing a place with two bedrooms because I didn't know what the future was. My parents were living in a little dorpy called Ribi Castile. Mm. So I had to go and fetch mom and dad. Mm. And not long after that, you know, my dad passed away. Well, first my sister passed away. And then I had to become actually like the strong pillar for mom and dad. Yes, because your sister wasn't there anymore. Yeah. Mm. So, and dad's, dad's kind of always said, you know, parents don't, go, well, children don't go first, parents do. And then, of course, daddy passed away. But before that, also my granny passed away. And it was very difficult because that at that stage, I was working with a company that didn't understand and didn't support that for me. Mm. So um, I wanted to be there for my family, but it was a very hard time because I got a lot of strife 
from senior management kind of thing because I want to be with my family, although I needed to provide for my children, you know. Mm, mm, so for, mm. as a single mom, it's difficult out there. But I can just say that um, I had amazing friend Sunette and her family at that time that could help me and be there for me. And I tried most of the times that at Sunday at five o'clock at least that I can be with my spiritual family in my church and just connect with people because otherwise you run from six o'clock in the morning, you're in corporate life, you come home at seven, eight at night, you just look at the food <laughs> and my daughter says, mommy, aren't you going to eat? And I said, I'm so tired. And then quickly I jump into my bed and then I said, Katie, just put the food away. And she says, mommy, you haven't eaten. I said, please, can you make a hot cup of tea for me or a sandwich? And then I fall asleep after my shower, you know, a shower and then go to bed. And I thought, oh, you know, I better eat something or drink something because Katie's made an effort, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's it's a whole kind of it's a it's a very it's a difficult time as a mom when you're going after your divorce now being there for the kids trying to keep everything together. Mm. I Look can just thank trauma. the Lord, mm. Lord that that I know Him and that He's been in my story and that He's always there. So all glory and honor for God, and also for my friends that was around me, and I try to. Um, keep my focus just sometimes there was days that I just would just read Psalm 23 nothing mm. else nothing mm. else very very important but anyway thank you so much for sharing that part of, of your journey I know it's very difficult to sometimes to revisit these uh, moments um, but you know God has just obviously revealed himself throughout from the beginning to the end um, and you know uh, we just I just want to encourage you out there family and friends, I share these kind of testimonies because sometimes we feel so alone um, and is that only happened to us and or it's only happening to us and we are in, a, in, in the midst but we it's so encouraging to sit in front of somebody that has been through it and survived and, and cancer and she's going to share about her other book and that journey is another story. So, you know, life is life and it uh, comes with its uh, trials and, and challenges but I want to encourage you that when you know the Lord that is your place of refuge Mm-hmm. He is where you can go to. You know that he's going to take you on this journey and he's in it with you and he takes your hand and you will walk through the valleys of the shadows of death and you will be live a victorious life. So I just want to encourage you, family and friends, um, stick around with us now. We're going to listen to uh, her testimony, uh, Marlene's testimony about um, her other part of her journey, which was pretty painful as well. Last year we heard, uh, uh, last week we spoke about the, the cancer, and this week we're speaking about the different uh, phases of life that is really important because I know, you know, especially when you get to our age as well, uh, life is tough. Life is tough, but God is good Amen. all the time. All the time we live in victory. So we're going to listen to something amazing, and uh, God is just going to show up. And really, really enjoy the song. And we will join you straight after this with Marlene. Thank you for staying with us this afternoon, family and friends. We are really having a lovely conversation with Marlene Matia here this afternoon. She's written two books, uh, nice, easy to read, and I think very relevant to the trials and tribulations that many of us have been through and dark uh, stages of our lives. But it's 
God, when you've got God in your life and, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit, he just takes us, he comforts us, he comes alongside us, and he's with us in it to win it. And uh, Marlene's a really a lovely success story of living in victory um, in spite of in spite of, she's written uh, the first book we shared now in the, uh, this last session is in the midst of my enemies. God prepares a feast, and now we're going to talk about I belong. But I love your cover; it has a pomegranate on, and there's clearly a reason for that. Uh, but I'd like you to share that as well. And I really am in awe of the road that you walked as a child until thus far. So I would love you to share that with us now and um, just give us the whole, you know, what you're prepared to share. I know um, the book has got lots, covers most of it, but it's things that have, We've all somebody out there has been through, so I would like you just to share with us that. Thank you, Marlene. Thank you. Um, you know, when I started, I actually finished that book, and then um, that 2019 at my book launch for I Belong, and um, I started writing a little bit of my first book just kind of when I finished my first book, I started on the second. And then I sat down one day and God said to me, you know, your first book is not your testimony. And I said, and then God reminded me of my past. Mm -hmm. And I thought, no, this is too, hey, no, this is, this is not. And God said to me, I want you to be real and I want you to be naked to the bone because people are tired of mask mm. and people want to relate to things. Um, you know, um, I'm not against professors and going to study and book knowledge is just as good. But a lot of people are finding they can't relate. The person don't understand them. Mm. And um, I said, Lord, if I, if I can get one person just to come back to you and to soul, you know. And I, I said, Lord, and I started praying. I said, Lord, when people read my book, let them be touched, changed, and delivered. Mm. Like you've changed me. And then I had to go sit, you know, and think about what happened. And it wasn't so nice. But I, I actually got healing also through it because most of my books that I'm writing, it's like I go through it. It's like therapy for me, but it brings healing and deliverance through that so that you can be able. Because on the end of the day, um, like you said, we're going to talk later about life coaching and vision board that was the whole aim of it to more can uplift people and empower them and also direct them back to Jesus um, so I belong came because if you look at anybody when there's abuse in their life there's an orphan spirit and they don't know where they belong mm -hmm. they don't know who they are and they blame themselves for every single thing but it's not them so when it comes to when you blame yourself, especially when you're a child. Mm. So my story, I belong, is that um, when I was very small, um, very young, at the age of five, I was raped and molested till 16. So very that, long period of time. Yeah. Hey? So that was a very difficult time in my life. Um, I come from a very staunch, strict upbringing kind of thing and I wasn't the only person in the family so 
you know, this family kind of molesting that happens, it's a thing that just don't happen. You know, you can't Never talk about it. About, yeah. Yes. So it was very difficult. And then it, at the age of 15, going on 16, I, I met my ex-husband and he led me to the Lord. And that was my saving grace because I got mm. to meet Jesus and I got to understand things that I thought was normal, but is not normal. You know, because when you're in a molesting situation, mm-hmm. sometimes you just accept these things and that it is, although you yes. know, you know. When you have a distorted, distorted um, view on, on intimacy and relationships. Yes. So um, when I met my husband, it was like God came and he just started a new page of Marlene. You know, mm. and then I started realizing things like when I started to work, I never had a relationship with my dad mm. because my dad was not the person that was doing this. But because it was an elderly person, I actually was terrified of my dad. Mm. So at the age of 18, when I started working again, God just started restoring our relationship. And I was sharing it with somebody the other day. So I worked in town. I used to take a train. And then we stop on a Friday. You know, I stop in it with the train at Fishhook Station. Dad and I would go and have, I'll have fish and chips. You'll have snook and chips. And that was our time of rekindling again, mm, mm, you know. Mm. And God started slowly trying to well, not trying, he, he did it, of restoring my whole relationship with my dad. And then I um, got engaged to my ex-husband and I got married. But then when I started, when I got married, it was like um, a flashback of everything. Yes. And I had to That's go to the, the gyne. Comes, yeah. Yes. And that day when I went to the gyne, it was a worse day in my entire life because it was a almost want to say, an elderly man, an old man. <laughs> but in that stage, I was 20-something, you know. <laughs> so, and then when I saw him, I, I ran out straight out of the reception mm. into it. And the lady ran out and I said, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't do this. And then they realized and they called him. And then, you know, obviously went for my checkup and that kind of thing. And he also, you know, respected the whole thing. Yeah. So when you go for that kind of fear, and I know there's many other ladies out there or gentlemen that's going through things like that. Um, those are things that we don't share. But that's mm. reality. I mean, I couldn't sit on the bus um, if it was an elderly person. I couldn't be in my house on so my own. So it's all triggers that were yeah. happening in your life, all the way through life. So God, you know, I had to bring everything to God and work with Patsy, the lady at my church, and we did. we have to work through these things. And mm. then suddenly I want to have kids. <laughs> yes. And then I find out I don't make an egg. What now? And then you think, you know, all of this has happened. I so much want to have my own kids. My ex-husband is adopted. And, you you know, you have that thing. You want to have your own kids and it can't happen. And then Patsy said to me today, she said to me, um, I just want to invite you for lunch. Nothing fancy, just a British bangers and mash kind of thing. She says, but the Lord's laid you, you that was myself and my ex-husband, on, your, on your, her heart, and she wants to pray for us. And she prayed for my first child, Catherine. And it was two weeks later I was pregnant with, with Catherine. And then four years later um, we wanted to have another child, but I then decided um, we're going to rather adopt another child. 
Um, and then the mother didn't want to give up the baby. So we made the room ready, everything, and the welfare phone and said, sorry, this is not going to happen. We were very down. Of course. But a week later, we find out that my son, we were pregnant with Kevin. So, you know, I could have had twins. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so then, you know, life went and my kids are big and everything. But then in 2004, yeah, um, something traumatic happened in our family. Um, most people would just go through a divorce, but sometimes a lot of people can experience a divorce and more trauma. And something that I would never thought would happen, my own daughter were raped in our house in Fisher. <gasps> that is terrible. And I didn't oh, know about that. So devastating. I didn't know about that. And she started... Um, uh, self-mutilation on her arms and things like that and still I didn't know and then the one day she fainted at school and then the counselor called in and said come and see and then they explained but um, I still said to my daughter today when I fetch her I said why can't you tell me these things you know and I'm driving the car and I tell you I swerve across the road and just I think maybe 30 centimeters from the wall uh, I stopped with my golf and my daughter said to me, Mommy, you're scaring me. I said, don't worry. I just can't believe this. Mm, so it is, um, you know, horrified because you, I as a parent gone through it and my child has gone through this. Mm. So her story, I'm, I didn't go much into depth as much as mine. Um, it's her story. Yeah, <laughs> but we had to go through the court Together, case of yes, five yes. years. Um, oh, and she's left the hard. country, you know. Um, many days, um, it, it's so hard as a mother because, you know, she'd lock herself in the room because she doesn't want to know anybody. And I would just go sit in this backside on, of the door and I'll just say to her, I'm just going to sit here until you unlock this door today, you mm. know. Yeah. So you, that is was mm, her story of her one. Yes. Oh, that is that is so traumatic. You know, because I would like us to continue with the book um, after this, after this next break, um, because it's so important to know how did you uh, manage that? Because at the end of the day, sometimes we, we, we're so tied up with all the things happening in our own lives that we're not aware of what hap what's happening in the children's lives, but they also don't know how to communicate. Um, because you struggled to communicate when it was happening with you. Now your daughter has gone through the same and then, you know, the frustrations with that. And we have that all the time, you know. And uh, so I just want us to continue with this conversation. I don't want to start another point. Otherwise, we're going to lose the momentum of this very, very important and relevant um, uh, conversation that we are having now. And I know this is happening in Amtin. There's mm. countless families that have been through this exact story. So um, Marlene, thank you for being so vulnerable and open about your journey and um, you know, you're going to continue sharing about the book and you know, who God was in it and that how you found that you actually belong. So uh, let's just listen to something now that is going to inspire us and enjoy and we will be joining you straight after this. Hi there family and friends, I just want to 
encourage you to stay with us this afternoon. We've got such a real testimony. I love to share every now and again real testimonies, you know, where life is real, really happening in the families, and we don't often like to talk about it, but we need to know that God walks with us through everything, through every trial and tribulation. He even, before you've even known him, he knew what you were going to go through. And, uh, you know, he chooses us, and before we choose him, but at the same time, his hand is on us throughout our lives. And is that not an encouragement to know that he knows all He's been there, he's seen it all, and he will never give us too much that we cannot cope with. Um, He will never give us a test that we cannot survive. So we need to know that uh, Marlene's had a difficult life, uh, actually from childhood. I mean, it's quite incredible, remarkable. She um, survived cancer right up until now. So, you know, she's had a difficult journey, and she's written these two lovely little books, which is so relevant as well, um, but so easy to read and in real real language, real English, uh, very um, relatable. So, um, but uh, Marlene, you went through, you were just sharing with us in the last session that your daughter was raped, you were raped as a child. And how did you navigate that? And I mean, she's now fled the country and I mean, court cases, you know, do do we go through things like that? Don't we go through things? I mean, we know that rape doesn't get reported enough. Mm. Um, and the statistic is absolutely, I just read the other day, that every seven seconds in our country, somebody's getting raped. So we need to know that this is a really a very, very serious thing. But how many people go to court? And to go to court five years must have been really traumatic for you as a family. So just maybe you can just go continue straight after that. What you've what has your family gone through of you know, from there onwards and all the other things that have happened in your life? Yeah. Um you know if I just think of the day um I had a friend, Cicely, she's not in this country anymore, but she's quite high up in the police. And um, I phoned her and I said, this is the situation. My daughter was just raped. And she said, look, I'm not working in this restriction at restriction at all, but I'm going to do my utmost to try and help you because she knew who this person was, that what happened to my daughter. And so, and I also, I just said to her, Cecily, I'm concerned. We have two guns in the safe. Mm. And um, I said to her, she said to me, look, I'm going to come with guys with a bulletproof uh, vest and everything. Because I just phoned my ex-husband at that time, my husband, and I told him the story. And Mm. I thought, here comes Mullahite. Mm. So we went home. I took Catherine home. And, uh, you know, the hard part for me was, although Cecily and I was friends, she had to do a job. That's she said to me, Marlene, I'm going to take Catherine into the room. Um, I'm not saying she's lying, but I'm going to have to sit with her. I'm going to have to write everything down. And that was behind closed doors. And... Uh, I had to then wait until she finished, and then she brought the statement to me. And then that reality starts, you know, Mm. to get you. And I still remember we had this yellow table, and I had to sign off each page because she was underage. And it was really um, 
you know, snort and trana kind of thing because mm. it was reality. And then she said to me, Marlene, you got to take your daughter now to the hospital. Mm. And I said, me? She, so she said, well, you know, your ex-husband is not really with all of this. But in the meanwhile, he, um, she said to him, please, you know, just calm down. He slipped out of the house with both the guns. And he knew exactly who this person was. And I just screamed. I just said, Sicily, from a high-pitched voice, which I won't do on the radio, <laughs> because <laughs> people's ears. Mm. And she, I just said, this is the story. And she said, look, Catherine can stay here with me. We're going to go. And we had to find um, her father. And you know, I had to beg him. I had to say, please, please, just think of Catherine. And all he wanted to do was just shoot that person. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, they managed to take the nine mil off him and then he actually had the point two two strapped onto his ankle. Then we had to go around this building to try and find and I said to him, please, you if you're going to shoot anybody you are going to be no good to your child right yes, now. And we could yes. calm him down and take him back home. And then, he, then you know, that was the sight of the anger of him. And mm -hmm. I had to stay strong for Catherine. And then I had to take her to the hospital. I had to take her through the fact of sitting there, just being a number. And I think that is why my heart is so strong. And maybe looking one day at being involved in rape victims and let them have a house of safety for them. Because Catherine was just another number, mm -hmm. you know, and it breaks your heart because it, it's cold that, you know, for the person just to sit there. And then we had to wait for the AIDS test to come back. It wasn't as quick as in these days now. So, and then I had to take her home, you know, mm -hmm. and then of that she was tested for certain times of um, STDs and things like that. Yes, yes, So yes. Uh, it's very dramatic for a young girl at that age mm. and then to take her home. Mm. So, and then also the fact that he actually threatened her to say, if you ever tell your parents, yes, I'm going to kill your mother. All the time. So, you know, shame. She actually wrote me a letter the one day, you know, and she said, Mom, I'm so sorry that I didn't tell you. I was just so scared that something was going to happen to you. But, you know, I said to her, I sat her down, I said, you know, this is it. We've reported it now. There's going to be a court case. And Cecilia was amazing, and she explained to Catherine, a court case is not just five days, five months. It can go on for years. So every time when the court, when we had to go to court, we started from um, Simonstown, Weinberg, you know, then obviously high court, um, the detective would come and they would sit with her and they would make sure that she wants to go ahead. Is this what she still wants? And it mm. takes a lot of toll yes, on your child if they're still in high yes, school. It's you know, hard. they've got to navigate the school work and so much involved. So, um, you know, it was just prayer and the fact that I couldn't even tell my parents in the beginning because, yeah, mm. I was going with my daughter's um, rape case and I was going through a divorce at the same time. You know, it was actually once we moved from the southern suburb to northern suburb, I think it was my son that phoned my mom, Oma, we live here now. So <laughs> then I got the third degree from my mother and, you know, no, no, <laughs> where are you people? Mm. But, um, you know, after five years um, of the court case, she then left the country because 
you know, we thought it would be better for her. Mm, um, once, once or twice, they did try to phone the house, and then I reported to the police. And they just said, well, how how do you know it is somebody of the case? I said, look, this is already so hard for us as a family. So we will not go and uh, make it as a broadcast. So we know it's somebody out there wanting us to drop this case. We are not mm. dropping this case. Always just made sure that this is what my daughter wants on the end yes, of the day. Yes, at the end of the day. Because I didn't want her to feel, I'm the mom and you got to do this. Mm. You know? Mm. Yeah, that is channeled correctly, but it's also necessary, you know, that we need to stand. You know, yeah. These cases need to go to trial. Yeah. And uh, was he convicted? Yes, he was. Um, it is 10 years for two girls. Um, Catherine, um, he raped Catherine in November, and then three months later, another girl in February. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good for him. Um, but, okay, you know, we've only got a few minutes left. Um, I know that you do life coaching because now this is something that you could possibly share in a life coaching session and all that. So just give us your number and your details because, you know, if, or a parent that has been through this um, and, and then, you know, you can obviously be sharing your book with them as well. But just give us your phone number and how can they contact you if you ever need to do these kind of workshops? Because I think it's very important. <laughs> Thank you. Um, my um, cell phone number is 82 Or you can email me on ms, Marlene, M-A-R-L-E-N-E, full stop, Matty, M-A-T-T-H-E-E, at gmail.com. And you are more than welcome just to WhatsApp me, you know, prayer works. Even yes. if you just, just need a, someone to just pray. Just chat, Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's not um, nothing about me. It's all about God. And, um, yeah, I'll, I'll be there to listen or make the tea. Okay, fantastic. That is such a beautiful service. And this is how we need to encourage each other, you know. We need to come alongside each other. We need to be able to come and walk a road with people that have been through stuff like this. And if you've got a skill of um, serving and a heart of serving and you're a counselor or you're a good ear to listen um, and or a doctor or somebody that can possibly help any uh, rape victims or anybody that has been through trauma or divorce or any wisdom and knowledge that you have. I think it's time for our people to come alongside each other and be there for each other and take care of each other and not just let our nation just go into brokenness. So, Lord, we just ask you that you will just um, use Marlene mightily for his for your glory and that you'll be of great help to those that are going through major struggles and uh, may your ministry your sideline ministry I know you management with Kum books but um, I know this is your where your heart lies as well that extra mile that you prepared to walk with those that are broken and hurt so Marlene thank you so much for sharing your testimony with us it's very I would say quite wild for me <laughs> um, but I can tell you now I am looking at a very strong beautiful overcomer of all situations in life. May the Lord just continuously use you and bless you, provide for you and protect you. Thank you so much. 
I just want to encourage you, family and friends, we have got an amazing conference coming up on the 8th, 9th of March. It's going to be at Frink uh, van Goot in uh, one city. Um, and it is going to be hosted by Dr. Elsa Mayer, and she's on the cover of the Eich magazine. So if you want to know a bit more about her, amazing woman of God, she hosts these Esther conferences. And please, Radio K Pulpit and Eich has come alongside her to host it here in Cape Town for a change. And please come and join us. It's going to be Stunning, absolutely stunning. Um, it's going to be um, of great value. You can please bring this uh, uh, reduced prices, uh, you know, uh, if you do block booking. So come and bring your family and friends, your uh community groups and whoever you want to bring along and I'm telling you you're going to have a wonderful day spent with us and there's going to be a light lunch and tea on arrival tea and coffee and something to share on on arrival come and join us and come and meet our staff and just come and have a good 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 day with Jesus Christ and our beautiful guests that are coming in all the way from Johannesburg. So come and be with us that day. And looking forward to meeting you. Go on to Quicket. You can go and book your tickets there. And I'm so looking forward to meeting you. God bless. Be kind to each other. Take care and be kind to yourself and stick to the rules. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.